What up, y'all? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. All right, y'all. It is late night Monday. We had a crazy weekend of sports, all kinds of stuff going on, multiple basketball games. Obviously, CSU football falls to Air Force for the 13th time in 15 years. And really starting with that first drive of the night, it, it just felt like deja vu or, you know, we've we've been here before. So I'll talk about that. I'll talk about the Charleston Classic, some takeaways for CSU men's basketball. They both showed their potential and their inexperience in this tournament. All things considered, not a not a bad showing for an inexperienced team. It would have been nice to leave with a winning record, especially after that big win over South Carolina to start it off. But this group, you know, they're they're talented. They're probably also going to be a little bit up and down as they kind of get their feet underneath them and, and gain more experience, which is just kind of part of the process. Definitely not the best showing against Penn State, though, on Sunday. Before we get into both of those teams and their weekends, I did want to lead with a little intro here on just how bad this football season has been for just about everybody. I mean, obviously, Air Force is having a winning season but Northern Colorado announced today that they are going to be moving on from Eddie McCaffrey. That's completing the cycle. All the coaches hired in 2020 have now been fired. And it's not very surprising because these last couple of years have been one of the worst stretches in the history of this state. I mean, when you're talking about CSU, CU, and the Broncos all having losing records in the same season... You know, before the last five years, it didn't happen all that frequently. But we're currently on pace for one of the worst ever. I mean, obviously, we'll have to see how the rest of the year pans out for the Broncos. But considering they've got, you know, a couple of games against the Chiefs still, another game against the Chargers, pretty safe to say, and a Ravens game on the road. I mean, they're they're going to have a brutal year. They're going to have a tough finish. Broncos currently 3-7, and seven, CSU 2-9, and nine, CU 1-10. and 10. This will be the third consecutive full season that all three of them finished with losing records. Also happened in 2021, happened in 2019 as well. But I mean, at least in those years, at least one of the teams was, you know, like flirting with 500 in 2021. The Broncos went seven and 10, not great, but, you know, not where they're at right now. In 2019, CU went five and seven, but you've got to go back to 1982 to find a year where the winning percentages were this abysmal for all three teams. And that year, the Broncos finished 2-7 and seven in a shortened season. CSU 4-7, and seven, CU 2-8-1. and one. Back then, those types of seasons were statistical outliers, though. I mean, you look at it, it happens in, in 68, when the Broncos went 5-9, and nine, CSU went 2-8, and eight, CU went 4-6. and six. Didn't happen again until 82. And then after that, not again until 2007. There were definitely some years in there where two of the three teams had losing seasons and the stat got thrown off because one team, you know, finished above 500. But these last five years have been as bad as it gets. And it pretty much seems like we're on pace to have the, the cherry on top be this fall with just a brutal finish for all three of these teams. And as much as I love giving my, you know, CU buddies crap for their embarrassing performances... It sucks that this is what the state of football has become or what the state of football has become in this state. A bit of a tongue twister there. So quickly, we've just become a laughingstock. I mean, literally a meme at all levels. 
unfortunately, if you're a Ram fan, for the first time in a long time, there is legitimate reason to believe that things might actually be turning around. I, I do think Jay Norvell is a good coach, and I do think he was a great hire. But this stretch, it just illustrates how important it is to get it right. And when you look back at some of those hires, they just didn't make sense. They didn't make sense in the moment, and they make even less sense in retrospect. I mean, Steve Adazio, a guy with absolutely zero ties to this part of the country and had just been run out of town for you know coming up short consistently at Boston College, you could have given me a 100 guesses, and he wouldn't have even cracked my list. I mean, it was just a hire that was completely out of left field, it was uninspiring, didn't make sense. Carl Durrell, a guy who had never been a proven winner as a head coach, he at least had some ties to Boulder and you know had coached in the Pac-12 at other schools as well, so it made more sense than Adazio did on paper. But another underwhelming choice and a guy that you know was never going to inspire a fan base. And now, you know, just like CSU was post-Adazio, they're in a spot where they absolutely have to get it right. And really, you could say the same about the Broncos. I mean, at some point, as passionate and as loyal as your fan bases may be, they can turn on you in a hurry or they can just tune you out. I mean, you've got incredible hockey in the state right now. The Nuggets, you know, with Nikola Jokic, there's just there's a lot of other stuff to, to watch. I do want to reiterate that I, I think Jay Norvell was a good hire. I believe in the future of the program under him, but... I mean, if I was a, a Buffs fan right now, I mean, if you're a Broncos fan like I am, you've got to be feeling pretty nervous about their their chances of getting this next one right because they haven't, not the last couple of times. Maybe the next couple of years will be different, though. Who knows, man? Who knows? I mean, it can turn around quickly, but wow, this, is, this has been bad, and this year has been just as bad as it gets. I mean, CU, CSU, the Broncos currently combined, all three of those teams combined, have scored 20 or more points in a game five times. Anyways, I'm going to move on. I'm going to talk a little bit about that Air Force game. Uh, just real quick, though, I, I did also want to throw out there were a lot of people on Denver Talk Radio that threw a whole lot of shade at CSU's way for supposedly, you know, getting beaten out for Eddie McCaffrey by UNC. Now, obviously, the hire that CSU made, not great. My thoughts on that hire, well-documented. We don't need to go in on that. But Eddie McCaffrey was a PR hire. And, you know, they, they won the press, I guess, for a month. They got to be in the news, which isn't really something that happens with UNC football. But that was a guy that had two years of head coaching experience only at the high school level no collegiate experience, no recruiting experience. And then he ran his team with just a bunch of his family members. I mean, it was a disaster, but it was always going to be a disaster. The point of this is not to throw shade at Eddie McCaffrey because it's a, it's a winless position. I mean, they're in the best FCS conference in the big sky. You're going up against, you know, the, the Montana's and Montana States of the world. And they just don't have the backing. They don't even have lights. They can't play night games. McCaffrey spent a bunch of his own money to try and improve some of the facilities and equipment and stuff. So I, I mean, I have a lot of respect for him in that regard. Uh, the point of this, though, is that the people that acted like that was going to be this super successful situation, they just they don't understand college football. It was always going to crash and burn. It was always going to be a failing situation. And the next guy that Greeley brings in is also going to fail, too. 
And unless they start investing in the program at a significant higher rate, it's not going to happen. And that's not going to happen either because it's not the type of school UNC is. I don't understand why they made the jump to Division One. Seems like it was a lot more fun when they were a D2 powerhouse, but what do I know? All right, actually moving on this time, that was supposed to be like a two and a half minute intro. In typical Justin fashion, ended up being about eight minutes. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. Tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet. Get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out, though. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlay. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, place a stepped-up same-game parlay. I mean, with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Had a nice little win the other day, shorthanded Nuggets squad pulling one out against the Mavs on the road against all odds. MPJ with a nice rebound performance. DraftKings is just the best. And what's awesome is they have endless possibilities. You know, you can do the the NBA promotions, but obviously they've got a ton of college football action, NFL action, you name it. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, use the promo code DNVR, make any $5 bet this week, get $200 in free bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Of course, I also have to tell you about the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Have you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could? 50-yard line, courtside, maybe behind home plate? It's possible with the GameTime app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you never thought you could buy. You're not going to find a better deal this season on CSU Hoops tickets than you will with GameTime, and that's because it was created by the fans, and it's for the fans. If you love DNVR, you're going to love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the podcast description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, all right, all right. Let's just get on into it here. Not going to spend a ton of time talking about this game because we're 48 hours removed from it at this point. Also, it was essentially every Air Force game ever, but bad vibes from the start. I mean, you go three and out on your first offensive possession. Air Force then mounts a 15-play, 80-yard scoring drive that takes 924 off the clock. It wasn't a blowout or anything like that, obviously, but when you go down 14-0 to Air Force, it just feels pretty helpless, particularly with how well their defense was playing. Uh, Their front seven pretty much owned in this one, did a great job of making CSU uh, pretty one-sided offensively. To Clay Millen's credit, he did make some plays through the air, obviously threw a couple of touchdowns late in the game to end up covering for CSU the final 24-12. I felt like the 22-point spread was steep, although Air Force was in position to cover at one point when they went up 24-0. It's just historically, this ends up being a one to two score game. And a lot of the time, it's a situation like this where Air Force gets up, Air Force gets up big, excuse me, and then CSU kind of scores some points late to make it look more respectable. But I mean, this was a game that was never in doubt for the Falcons. To me, this game really kind of just came down to a couple of sequences. There were multiple instances in which the Rams had Air Force and fourth and short. Falcons always converted. They had third and long a couple of times, couldn't get off the field. And then for CSU, you know, turning it over on downs on back-to-back possessions in the second and then third quarter. 
especially late in the first half, though. I mean, you get pinned deep and then you're driving with tempo. I mean, you go 68 yards after getting, you know, pinned deep at the two yard line. And it looks like the Rams might actually mount a scoring drive and go into the breakdown 14-7 with some momentum. Instead, you know, the drive stalls, you turn it over on downs. And the worst case scenario plays out. The Falcons end up going down themselves. They, you know, break a 34-yard run on the first play, get into field goal position, go up 17-0 into halftime. To me, that 30-second sequence just sums up the Rams 2022 season. Like you're moving, the offense is is looking good. Even get the benefit of an uncharacteristic mistake from Air Force on that unnecessary roughness on Clay Millen. Although you could make an argument that the penalty actually did more harm than good because it stopped all the momentum and CSU was moving. I mean, they're you know chunk plays too, 10, 15 yards at a time. It's just been one of those years for the Rams, though. You know, anything that can go against them seemingly does. They just have not been lucky, whether it comes to, you know, bounces or bad spots or close calls. Just feels like the ball always seems to bounce the other way. And I mean, that that's just how losing seasons work, right? Like there's when you're when you're winning a lot, there's usually going to be some luck that goes into that. But also the best teams, you know, kind of put themselves in the most advantageous position. So you kind of create your own luck in that sense. But they had some chances there, you know, in the second and third quarter to to break into it and at least make it competitive, make Air Force sweat a little bit. Never really happened. They went up 24-0. To CSU's credit, did avoid the shutout by making the most of their muffed punt. Clay Millen finds Torrey Horton for a 28-yard touchdown. Perfect throw by Clay Millen. Just a dime. Also had a really nice throw on his 21-yard throw to Jordan Williams. His first career touchdown, freshman tight end. Only had one catch coming in, but is seeing the field a little bit more these last couple of weeks. Millen finished 19 to 24 for 179, two touchdowns, no picks, 79% completion rating, was sacked seven times, though. Really was effective as a scrambler as well. The the numbers aren't going to show it because he took so many sacks and those count towards your rushing stats in college football, but I, I feel like he's really seeing the field well in that regard. Still does hold on to the ball a little too long at times. The offensive line obviously continues to struggle. That's going to have to be priority number one this offseason is just figuring it out because you do have playmakers on the outside. I mean, when you look at the talent that they have at receiver, when you look at what Clay Millen can do as far as stretching the field, some of these some of these things they can just do in the vertical game that CSU has really never been able to do, or at least not in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. They've had some good quarterbacks come through. I mean, Colin Hill, I think, had a really high ceiling had he not gotten injured. You know, obviously Garrett Grayson, Nick Stevens both had really nice stretches, but those were more methodical quarterbacks kind of pick you apart. I mean, they couldn't hit, you know, a 60-yard bomb in stride the way that Clay Millen can, but they've also just got to provide him some protection. And clearly, injuries have made the situation tough. I mean, they've just had so little continuity from week to week. It's just been a lot of plug and play. You've got younger guys stepping up into roles that they probably weren't physically ready for, but, you know, have, to their credit, at least, you know, played hard, give this team a fighting chance, but it's just got to get fixed. I mean, if, if you can't if you can't protect the quarterback, you can't do much of anything. And when you're giving up, you know, six, seven, eight sacks consistently, like CSU has all year long, it's just going to put you in a brutal spot. Also going to get your quarterback injured. But I know I'm preaching to the choir at this point. This is not new information for anybody. We've all been here all season long. We've all seen what happened. 
Uh, but just without being able to run the football, it, it just puts you in such a brutal spot, especially against an experienced front seven like Air Force has. They're really sending some timely pressures there. Defensively, I do want to shout out to Quan Jackson, who has just played so hard in these rivalry games. That guy has just been a beast. He needs 11 tackles against New Mexico to record his first 100-tackle season. I really hope he gets it. Had 11 on Saturday, 7 solo. Just felt like he was in on every run, too. A couple other guys that played really well. CJ Onyeki, 10 total tackles, 9 of which were solo. Had a sack, had a fumble recovery. Uh, Mo Kamara had another sack. Nice PBU by Blackburn at one point. He had seven total tackles. Jack Howell had five. Those guys were in on a lot of plays as well. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of guys, you know, had moments, but it's just been one of those situations where CSU's flaws, whether it be pass protection, the inability to convert on third down, you know, so consistently, it's the same things that are hurting the Rams. If there's a silver lining, it's that they weren't penalized very much in this game. They also converted in the red zone. Hallelujah. But a combined 3 of 12 on 3rd and 4th down isn't going to get it done, especially when you're going up against Air Force, who was 4 of 5 on 4th down and 7 of 16 on 3rd down. They just put you in a position where they exhaust you one, but also they make it so the margin for error is so thin. I mean, really... You know, you turn it over on downs, you don't give up any points, you give up a 34-yard run, all of a sudden you're down three scores. Like, in 30 seconds, the game goes from looking like, hey, we've got some momentum here going into the break to, oh my God, this game's over. That's what they do to you. And that's why Troy Calhoun continues to own the state. 13-2 and now, all-time against CSU. I mean, this used to be, you know, like a back-and-forth type affair. I mean, even Sonny struggled with Air Force in some of those great years, but it'd be a situation where like they beat you one year, CSU beats them the next. Now it's just, you know, CSU's lucky to, to win one every six, seven years, 13 and two. That's, that's insane. And Calhoun, he's two and zero against CU. I mean, for all the, all the emphasis we put into the Rocky mountain showdown, it's, it's kind of a shame that air force doesn't have any local following because they truly do own the state. But that's obviously a trend that has to change. You know, that's going to be one of the biggest priorities under Jay Norvell, not necessarily Air Force specifically, although it certainly would be nice to see the Rams win against the Falcons more consistently, six in a row now for, for the Birds, the Zoomies. Um, but you've got three rivalry games next year, three local rivalry games, at least with CU, Air Force, and Wyoming. You know, two of them are going to be on the road. Be really nice to see the Rams go two and one or something. Just give, give the fans something to feel good about. I mean, those wins carry so much more weight than you know a win over Utah State or you know UNLV or whoever you want to name. Even San Diego State, like even a good team in the Mountain West, it just doesn't mean the same as beating Wyoming, as as beating Air Force, certainly beating CU. Anyways, like I said, not going to dwell on this one here. Like that the Rams played hard, you know, like that they didn't have a ton of undisciplined stuff, but, you know, the the more experienced team, the better squad in the trenches came out victorious in this one, and that's not very surprising. I mean, Air Force was my preseason pick to win the conference. They're, they're going to win like eight games, and this season's going to be kind of a letdown in my eyes just because they dropped three one-score games within the division. I mean, I, I genuinely still think that with what they can do offensively and the experience that they brought back on defense, it, it makes no sense that they weren't able to have a better year in conference play and, you know, put themselves in the conference championship. 
And that, of course, is going to be Boise State and Fresno. I will be pulling for the Bulldogs. One, because I love Jake Hayner. Uh, but two, just, I, <laughs> you know, if you follow me, I, in the preseason, was pretty adamant that Boise would not win the conference. They've certainly outperformed my expectations. This is also not the, the same team that they started the year with. I mean, they've completely changed their offense. My whole point that their ceiling was limited by what they could do offensively with Hank Bachmeyer was true. It's why they made the switch. Uh, both at quarterback and offensive coordinator. But, you know, Broncos fans aren't going to care about that. They're just going to be like, hey, look at this idiot. He said we weren't going to win the league. We did. And that's fine. That's all part of it. You know, win some, lose some, but kind of makes for a fairly anticlimactic final week of the regular season in the Mountain West with the conference championship game. Uh, members already decided or participants, I should say, not members. CSU, one more opportunity to end the year with a high note, or I guess a potentially a low note if you lose to New Mexico for the first time in over a decade, but it is bound to happen at some point. More than anything, I just want to see some of these veterans like Daquan Jackson and Cameron Carter, you know, get an opportunity to go out with the win. They played their ass off this year. They stayed committed when a lot of guys jumped ship. You know, for them, I would like to see them go out with a win, especially with how hard these guys have played in these rivalry games. You know how painful it has been for them to come up short. But as far as the optics go, I mean, does it really matter if you go two and ten or three and nine? It's essentially the same situation. I guess you could just say bragging rights. I mean, that's that's about the only thing that's at stake here. New Mexico is really the only team that CSU has bragging rights over or has had bragging rights over consistently, you know, in the last five to 10 years. It's it's nice to be able to point at some streak. It is crazy that CSU has been able to keep it going this long. So I guess we'll see. We'll talk about that matchup more tomorrow. There's going to be plenty to get into this week. Obviously, plenty of football and basketball on air. Love this week. Let's uh let's transition. Let's finish up here just with a couple minutes on the Charleston Classic. Real quick though, Ivaca is the new goat in Colorado sports that is the greatest of all TV. Ivaca TV delivers amped up sports coverage for Colorado fans featuring Altitude Sports and AT&T Sportsnet. Get the most regional content for the lowest price for sports in Colorado. You can get Altitude so that's Avs, Nuggets, DU games. They've got a bunch of CSU games, UNC, Metro State, you name it. Uh, you know, our Nuggets crew actually went to Serbia to learn more about the history and culture of the country that delivered us Nikola Jokic. We're blown away by the support from the premier night. Uh, that's actually going to be on YouTube here pretty soon. But DNVR and Ivaca TV have teamed up to create exclusive premium content like this 60-minute documentary on Nikola Jokic, Serbian basketball, history, and DNVR's adventure through the Belgrade and Sambor. You can watch it by going to evaca.tv and signing up for just $25 a month plus a $5 receiver. And one last time, you can check out the trailer for 100 Invisible Threads, the exclusive documentary produced by DNVR and Evaca on our YouTube channel. Get yourself set up with evaca.tv. That's E-V-O-C-A.tv slash DNVR to watch your favorite Colorado sports teams and original DNVR content. Cool, cool, cool. Before we get out of here, I just wanted to finish up with a couple of thoughts on CSU men's basketball who showed us, you know, their potential with an 85-53 smackdown of South Carolina, one of the more fun regular season wins for this program in the last couple of years. And there've been a lot of them. I mean, that, that 
beat down over Creighton will always, you know, be in my heart. Really that the Paradise Jam in general, that whole event was just a blast. But you know, you got you also got to see the inexperience come to to light in this one. And that's just kind of how it's gonna be. I mean, losing to a good College of Charleston team on their home floor, that's not, you know, the end of the world. First time this young team, you know, had experienced a, a road atmosphere. They're gonna be fatigued, you know, coming off of that that monster win against South Carolina and you could see it. And that's, you know, part of the process. That's kind of what you have to, to go through as a team. I remember the same thing happened, you know, early on in, in David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens career, you know, you, you kind of got to learn how to handle these scenarios. And, you know, people sometimes ask me why, why play these tournaments? One, it's for TV interest and it gives everybody something to watch, but also it, it's just a valuable experience for these teams with, with how important the conference tournaments end up being, you know, if that was the only time you experienced a, a tournament format, which is much different than, you know, how your scheduling works at any other point of the year, it'd be pretty tough for this CSU team though, going through this and, you know, having the high right off the bat and then immediately having to come back and play another game against a competitive team. That's a valuable experience. Definitely would have liked to see CSU respond a little bit better than they did against Penn State, but that's not a loss that's going to kill you. And unfortunately, it was just a, a situation where a slow start was just kind of too much to overcome. I mean, they both teams went 35 in the second half, but they just they couldn't overcome that 12-point deficit. What's been encouraging to me, you know, outside of a couple of small stretches here and there, and that's always going to happen, the defensive intensity for the most part has been pretty good. You know, they've, they've still yet to give up 75 points in a game this season. They actually haven't even allowed 70 points in a game this season. So that's that's encouraging, especially given the, the schedule. You know, they've played a deceptively tough schedule to this point, and it's only going to get harder, unfortunately. But, I mean, that's, that's what basketball is all about. It's, this team is well-coached. They'll continue to play together. I am kind of curious on the nights where the jump shots aren't falling if they have a guy, you know, when everything's bogging down that can, you know, create a couple of buckets for himself, I, I think, you know, maybe it's going to be Jalen Lake or John Tanjay, but that's definitely where you miss having somebody like Isaiah Stevens, who's really quick and can get to the bucket. Uh, Jalen Lake, probably closer to Stevens in that regard. I, I should throw Isaiah Rivera out there too. He's been really good, especially in and around the post, um, his ability to create in the mid-range has been really, really impressive. I just think you've seen at times, you know, as, as good as the ball movement has been for the most part, not having a guy like Isaiah Stevens, who not only can, you know, run the show, can create for himself and others, but is also going to open up the floor, which is the way he can slash and dash. I mean, he's all over the place. He's constantly moving and, and making it tough on the defense and, I just think they miss his his impact in that regard. I do wonder if at some point in the near future we see Tavy Jackson get slid into the starting lineup. I just think that I just think that the Rams as a whole are more lethal when he's out there. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to throw shots at, at Baylor or anything like that, but I just don't think teams really fear him as a scorer and they don't really have to respect him the same way defensively as a result. Whereas Jackson is going to have a defender a little bit more on his heels just because, you know, he can do it all. He's so quick. He can get to the hoop. You know, he can burn you with a jump shot. You just have a lot more options. And I, I just think it makes the team more dangerous, but we'll see. I mean, I understand at the moment too, why you can make the argument that it's more beneficial 
to have that coming off the bench and providing a spark. But with what Tavy also brings defensively, I, I, I just think he'll be a starter at, at some point sooner rather than later, especially if, you know, it ends up being a, another month plus before we see Isaiah Stevens. And I imagine it'll be at least another month. I don't have a timetable as far as his return goes. There's nothing official set as of now. But big homestand coming up for CSU. Big opportunity to pick up a couple of wins here. You've got Mississippi Valley State on Saturday. Then a really big game the following week against Loyola Marymount before playing Northern Colorado at CU. Prue State at St. Mary's and against USC and Phoenix to close out the non-conference slate. We'll see how this group responds, but I've got faith in the system. I've certainly got faith in the coaching staff, and I think it's going to be a fun year. You know, I, I do think there's going to be some tough stretches that, you know, maybe we're not quite as used to after the last two years. It'll be a little bit closer to, you know, Roddy and Isaiah's freshman year, but I do think it's going to be fun. I'm excited to see how it all plays out. That's all I've got for today. We'll have plenty of action to talk about. I know I've been a little bit erratic as far as the recording schedule has gone of late. Just uh, just know there's there's been some stuff going on that has prevented me from getting out quite as much content as I would like. Um, but I appreciate all the kind responses, everybody that's reached out. Everything is all good. Just typical life BS. Um, just make sure that you tell your loved ones how much they mean to you life can get kind of crazy in a hurry. All right. Enough of that. Can I get off my soapbox here? Much love to all of you. Looking forward to covering the finale up in Fort Collins against New Mexico. Should be a fun one. Hopefully the Rams pull out a victory, but we'll have plenty of content in between now and then. That's all I've got for today. Peace. Peace.